welcome to the GMC podcast, the place where you can listen to the weekly word from God and highlights from the team at GMC, Gillespie Memorial Church in Dunfermline, Scotland. This podcast brings you the sermon series, Matthew, the teachings of Jesus Christ the King, and it's the third part of the series. And we now look at chapter 13 over a five-week period and the, the teachings of Jesus through parables. Often this teaching related to daily life of the time, sowing seeds, fishing, bread making, amongst other things. And it's through these simple things of life that Jesus brings deep truths about the kingdom of heaven. So thanks for joining us on this podcast as we will encourage you to respond to God's word and the challenge of Jesus Christ. Now, before the word from God, we will lead you in a time of prayer. We leave home, Lord. We gather, Lord. We come to bow down and worship, Lord. And there is one thing in gathering we ask, Lord, that we may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of our life. To behold your beauty, your majesty, your perfect justice and grace as we gather in your house. So, Lord, this morning we seek you with all our hearts, with all our souls, and with all our mind, and with all our strength. We come to you as you have the word of eternal life. And through those words we come to know you are the true, one, and only sovereign God, holy and righteous. We seek to know you through the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of endless glory. But in seeking, we come knowing the stain of sin upon each one of us. Father, this day we bring before you our failings, before you our holy God, where we have failed to live as expected in unholy thoughts, in proud words, in self-gratifying actions. Lord, we lay them before you. We come into your house, and if we know you as Saviour and Lord, we are children of God. We come knowing that in the giving of our life to you, we are justified. Our life set free of the bondage of sin, set free and liberated, made just and holy by the blood, by the sacrifice of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We come also knowing that each day, through the name of Jesus and in the power of the Holy Spirit, you sanctify us. You make us more Christ-like as we seek your face in glory. Lord, keep us thinking in your way, talking humbly in your speech, and doing justly in your manner. So Christ, as a light, illuminate and guide us. Christ as a shield overshadow us, Christ over us, Christ under us, Christ beside us and on our left, on our right. This day be within and without us, lowly and meek, yet all-powerful. Be in the heart of each to whom we speak, 
and in the mouth of those who speak to us. This day be within and without me, lowly and meek, yet all-powerful. Christ as light, Christ as shield, Christ beside me, on my left and on my right. And in the words of Jesus we share together in prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Following that time of prayer, I hope your heart is prepared and open to receive from God's word wherever you are today. If you hear anything from our preacher today, from God's word, or the sermon that challenges you and raises questions, or if you want to know more about the Christian faith, about getting to know the Lord Jesus, then please get in touch via our website or through the office. Details are in the show notes. Or maybe you'd like to support GMC financially in our Ministry for the Kingdom. Again, details can be found through the Contact Us page of our website, gillespiechurch.org, or via our Facebook page. Now, over to our preacher. reading this morning is um, Matthew chapter 13, and it's verse 31 through to 33. The mustard seed and the leaven. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed into his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown... It is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. Amen. I'm, um, I'm always amazed when I come to prepare for a sermon. There's always... God always seems to give me something throughout the week, an, an experience or just a situation that kind of starts to teach me about what the text is teaching me. Um, and so this week I was, I, I've, had, I've had a tire on my car that has needed replaced um, for a wee while and I've not, I've kind of been pulling it off, it's not been dangerous but I've just been pulling it off a little bit. Um, and so I, and on Friday I phoned up uh, the garage, a quick fit, there are others available, but quick fit. Um, I called quick fit and I said, you know, how, how long is it going to take? How long would it take to, to, to fit a new tyre for me? And the guy says, well, about 15, 20 minutes. I said, right, great, brilliant, that's fine. I've got plans today, um, 15, 20 minutes I can put aside. So I book it in, tyres aren't cheap, I'll tell you that much. Um, I book it in, I part with my money, um, and so I go up, I'm actually 10 minutes late, but I get there 10 minutes late, and I see that there's already three cars being worked on. Um, anyway, I go in and I speak to, to the, the guy, and he says, um, leave it with us, and we'll, we'll get on to it, and, and I know what that means. I know what that means. That doesn't mean he's doing it right now for me, at one o'clock when I booked in. Um, so he says, 
leave it with me. And I say, right, okay, how long do you think it will be? He says, come back in about 45 minutes. I'm thinking, oh, right, 45 minutes, that's longer than I thought it was going to be. 45 minutes, right, okay. Now, the garage that, um, that I took it to is a garage in a, in a kind of like a little village that, that isn't, it's not got a cafe, so there's nowhere I can go. There's nowhere I can go for a coffee and just sit and relax. Um, so the guy, so I'm, I'm away out, I'm walking about the streets essentially for 50 minutes. I get back to the garage, he says, 50 minutes, I come back within 50 minutes. And as I'm walking back into the garage, I see my car hasn't moved, still in the same place. Um, and so, of course, I get a bit frustrated because my car has not been worked on. It's not start, they've not started working on it yet. Um, and I get in, and he, I sit down in the seat, and he sees I'm there. And he looks over to me. He's working with the, 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 his other, other colleague. And he looks over to me, and he, he does this thing. He goes like this. And I felt in trouble. I thought, I was, I thought, <laughs> I thought something had happened. I was going to get a telling off. Um, so I come over to the car, and he shows me another tire on the car. Um, the other tire that is now going to need fixed um, has four little bulges on it. It's bad news. Potentially, your, your tire could explode. It's, it's pretty dangerous. So now I need to pay for another tire um, and now need to wait longer. Anyway, the moral of the story is I, was, I ended up, I booked in at one and I ended up leaving, driving the car out at three o'clock. So, patience. We don't like patience, do we? It's quite a negative word. Um, let me share another quick story with you. This week, um, I had a conversation with somebody who was telling me that the one thing that they are, one thing that they hold out for in life, the one thing they take to God um, every day is the salvation for their family. It's for their family to come to Christ. Um, and they pray daily for it. So, there's an element in that of persistence and perseverance. And with patience, there's an element of, between, over the three of them, there's an element of waiting, isn't there? Um, and so what we have is this, these, this patience, perseverance, and persistence that has this overarching um, banner over it of, of, um, of waiting. Let me read the uh, text again for this morning, um, and then I'll pray. The mustard seed and the leaven. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but when it's grown, it's larger than, the, it's larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for um, this morning. Thank you for all your people that have gathered here today. And thank you for all that have gathered in other churches around Dunfermline and in Scotland. Father God, I pray that you would, by your Spirit, come and be with us. God, would you minister to us in this time? God, would you challenge us? But God, would you encourage us? We pray that we wouldn't leave unchanged this morning. Holy Spirit, come. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, how, how do we perceive the kingdom of God? When, when we think about the kingdom of God, how do we, what is our imagination of what that is? There are two things that I think that we commonly think of. The first one is that it's a far, the kingdom of God is a far off thing out with where we are. The kingdom of God is in another dimension, maybe. Um, 
something that we can't attain or something that is just it's unreachable. The second thing is that the kingdom of God is something that we need to look forward to, something that we know is coming, something that we need to potentially wait for. But in Mark chapter 1, Jesus, Jesus preached and Jesus taught his disciples that the kingdom of God has already come, and surely the kingdom of God is here. So what's the evidence of that? Well, in Jesus' ministry, there are signs and wonders, healings, raisins from the dead. There's the fulfillment of prophecies. I think there's, in the Old Testament, I think there's over 300 prophecies that Jesus himself fulfills all of them in his ministry and in his death. So signs and wonders, fulfills prophecy, but also he makes profound claims about himself such as I am the way, the truth, and the life, things like that. He makes these claims. All these things suggest that this is the evidence of the kingdom of God that has come. It's here, it's now, amongst the disciples in that time. So God's kingdom has come. God's kingdom is coming. And it will come. So just like the church in the first century, we're no different. Just like the church in the 1500s, we're no different in this sense that we must wait. Now, I don't love waiting. I'm not sure about all of you. Waiting for me can be infuriating. Stressful maybe. Maybe you need an answer to some sort of news. Maybe there's a difficult situation in life that you want finished with and you want it to come to an end. But God's kingdom is unfolding. But we must wait. But here's the thing. Wait, wait, how do we wait? Here's another question. How do we wait in this time? We know it's come. We read about it. We know it's come. And we know the promise of it coming. But in this time now, how do we wait? Do we just sit? And do nothing and wait. I don't think so. I think it's an act of waiting. I think we wait with expectation. But not only that, we wait with an assurance. You know, we've just mentioned that the kingdom is coming. So we know what's come. We know what's coming. So we are assured of what's about to come. And so we wait with expectation of it coming. We wait with assurance that it will come. And we know this as well. We know that God has already one. God already has the victory. And we wait for that trumpet sound as we read of in uh, the book of Revelation. That Jesus will come back with the trumpet sound and it'll all end. And time is up. So God's kingdom is like a mustard seed that is sown um, into the land. Mustard seed is small, small, small and potentially insignificant. Yet after time, it becomes the most significant. Zechariah chapter 4, don't despise the, the, the day of small beginnings. You know, that was speaking about Jesus, the coming of Jesus. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Jesus, the seed. So what does that, what does that tell us about God? The kingdom of God is like a, a mustard seed that's been sown into the earth. 
that tells us that God is in no rush. God is not pushed. He's not swayed from side to side. God is not reactive. God's not agitated. His decisions are not determined by you and I. His decisions aren't determined by folk outside the church. His decisions aren't determined by the culture that is rapidly changing. We see that around us. The culture is changing so much, yet God isn't determined by that change and that sway. God is not anxious for the growth of his church. God is not worried about the speed of the growth of his church. God is not worried about the speed of the coming of his kingdom. If God was worried about the the speed that his kingdom was coming, if God was worried about the growth of his church, he'd have planted a different seed. God would have planted a different seed if he was worried about the speed of his church growing. And I, I'll be honest with you, you I, I get frustrated. I look around Scotland, I love Scotland, and I want God to do something amazing in Scotland. And I look around and I, I, you know, I think about the Church of Scotland, the, the closures of churches and, and, and how that's changing. And I think, God, where are you? What are you doing? Where are you, God? But yeah, it brings incredible comfort that God has planned, he's organized, set in stone his, from the beginning to end, what is going to happen. He's not, nothing determines a change. Nothing determines what his decision is. And so that should bring us um, comfort. So, his kingdom has come, it will come, and it is coming. Um, But how does it come? How is it coming? You know, God sows himself through the person of Christ, God sows himself into the earth the day that Jesus is born. He sows himself into the earth. How does he do that? He does it as a baby. He doesn't sow himself into the earth coming on the clouds like we read in Revelation, coming on the clouds with angels behind him, armies of angels on the white horse. He doesn't do it like that. He sows himself as a child into the earth, small, insignificant, baby, that needs others to look after him, relying on others. A king sown into a place called Nazareth, the smallest of towns in all of Judea. Unimportant. Nazareth. And this king is recognized by few, with no fanfare, no red carpet, and no palace to live in. But the kingdom seed, it grows. He lives and he works, but like a common man, he lives and he works for 30 years, like the rest of us. Yet the time comes to proclaim his message. He works up a following, yet his following is poor in wealth. His following is small, and his following is uneducated. And he teaches not in great nations, but again in unimportant towns. The majority of his teaching is in places that have no no speciality about them. Just regular places. His ministry is short in years, yet what he proclaims is profound. 
the tiny seed grows into an unimaginable height. And, in, and his kingdom begins to unravel and exhibit power. He heals, he raises the dead, he forgives, he rescues, he rebukes. Signs and wonders, we mentioned that already, signs and wonders follow him. But even still, the kingdom seems irrelevant. And the king of this kingdom is humiliated, naked in death. But God, do you know, there are two words in the Bible, when you read in the Bible, there are two words that are the best words you'll ever read in all of the Bible. When you read something, it says, but God, but God intervened into the situation, but God done this, and God saved, but God. God acts, and it's the most glorious thing that we could hope for, but God. But it seems as though the plant has withered. He lifts his hand and brings forth his kingdom at a time called Pentecost. And we know what happens at Pentecost. 3,000 people are saved. The 100, roughly 120 people, 120 followers, the Holy Spirit falls on them and then 3,000 people are saved. God saves them. Maybe a month later, that comes up to 5,000 people. The Roman world is taken by storm and so we rest on this day with a church that is in size 2.2 billion large from the day of Pentecost of 120 to 2.2 billion. His kingdom has come, it will come, but it is coming and we wait with peace and joy in his coming. The proclamation of the kingdom, the growing of his church and the coming of the kingdom, all of that is nestled under his wing. Cared for, planned for, he knows the next step, he knows when this is and that and this and that is coming and starting and unraveling. It's all nestled under his wing. And that should bring great comfort to us. So take heart for God has ordained the kingdom's outworking. So, the small seed, the leaven that's hidden amongst the dough, Jesus hidden in a trough, the disciples small, hidden in society, the church growing like the seed, God's kingdom already victorious, and we're simply waiting for the curtain to fall on the earth. If God isn't worried about the outworking of his kingdom, about the speed of it, if it's all planned for, what does that say for the church? What does that say for us? If we are Christ followers, our lives should look something of his. We should be example. So if God's not worrying about the growth of his church, why are we? Because you ask any minister, or any Christian really, in any field, or working in any field, there's often a worry, there's often a concern for his kingdom. There's often a concern for church. I don't know how many times I've had people 
ask me, state to me, you know, he'll say, you know, what, what's happened? Where are kids? Where are families? And we feel, we feel a bit rubbish because, th- you know, well, what are we not doing right? What, what are we doing wrong? What do we need to do? How do we need to act? How do we get families to know, that, to understand the gospel? How do we get these churches full again? What if our perception of what we want isn't what God wants? When the, when, when the change came out in the Church of Scotland about the, the churches closing, I remember so many people telling me, this is an absolute disaster. This is terrifying. And I jumped on that bandwagon, and I was really, really worried. And you'd have conversations that were just dishonoring to God. But you worried and worried and worried. And in your prayer life, you were saying, God, why, why are you not here? Why are you not moving? So often with God's kingdom, so often with the growth of God's church, every single one of us have to just step back and allow God to do what he's going to do in the waiting. We need to not be stressed. We need to not be anxious. What did Jesus say? Cast all your anxieties onto me? If that's what he said, then why, why do we sit with it? Why do we cuddle anxiety? Why do we nestle anxiety into our arm like a baby? <coughs> worried for the future, worried for what's to come. So I, I actually think that says a, a fair bit about our perception of who he is and what his nature is. <laughs> Look at this, this church, everything you own, everything that you are, everything that you have, everything that is outside, everything that's bigger than we are, God, that, that arch, that, over, that overarching thing is God, and he's over it all. And I don't say this to say your worry, is, your, your worry is silly or your anxiety is silly. It's not. But our perception has to change. As Christians, we have to be set apart. We have to be different from the world. When you come up against those in life that are struggling and worried and anxious, when they come, come in, in contact with us, it should be different. Wow, Christ. They see Christ because Christ is what overarches their life and everything within their life is governed by him. So please let that be an encouragement. Don't, don't hear... Don't hear what I'm not saying with that. I'm not saying that if you're anxious, then don't be. What I'm saying is that as followers of Christ, when that anxiety comes in, when that worry comes in, be quick to hand it over, to know who he is, but also know who you are in Christ. That should bring courage. That should bring encouragement and joy and peace to live out with joy, live out with peace, knowing who he is as we wait. (coughs) I'll finish with this. What does the the waiting look like in the sense of the New Testament? When we read the New Testament, what does it tell us to do? So, if I 
if I'm saying what I've just said, what, so what do we do now? What is the task now for us believers? What is the task for the church? In joy and in peace, serve Christ. Keep on carrying on. Keep on carrying on. With church things, with evangelism, with mission. The next time you're getting your hair cut and whoever it is that's cutting your hair says, what are you doing at the weekend? And I do this all the time. You don't mention church because you can't be bothered with the conversation. Tell them. Tell them about church. Tell them you're going to church. Spark the conversation about church. Share the gospel. Be unapologetically a follower of him, the King of glory, who, is, who has come and will come. These opportunities are God-given. They're God-ordained. Some of us find ourselves in jobs that are... You know, maybe, maybe it's easier for me to say now because I work for a church, um, but I never used to. And I was face-to-face with these situations. And oftentimes, recently, I was tired and I got my hair cut and, I, and, and he asked me about my weekend and I knew I was, I think it was a week I was preaching actually and I didn't tell him because I was shattered, I was tired. But we're to serve God, not serve ourselves. We have to lay that down. As hard as that is, we have to lay it down. But you don't lay it down in your own power, you lay it down in his power. He gives you the power to lay it down. All our selfish ambitions and follow him. So we keep on carrying on. We honor him and the struggle that it might be. We honor him and we follow him. Because here's the glory. Here's the, here's the glorious part of all this. Here's the glorious part of keeping on carrying on. One day, as a follower of Christ, one day you will sit, you will stand, sorry. You will stand with Moses. You will stand with Isaiah. You will stand with Mary. You will stand with Christ in front of the throne. And the Father says, well done. And on that day, we stand together. Church, be encouraged that life is difficult. But God is glorious and God is worth it. God is worth the pain. God is worth the struggle. For unto glory we are called. Unto glory we are called. One day we will stand and see him face to face. And if that doesn't get you excited, I don't know what will with the church. One day, Christ glorified. Let's pray. Father God, it's all about you. It's all about your spirit. It's all about your son. It's all about your kingdom unraveling. 
God, would you forgive us if you try to play your job, whether that in local church, whether, whether that in our thoughts or in our prayers about your church globally. Forgive us. And God, we thank you that the burden of thinking that it's our job to do, we're thinking we have to do X, Y, and Z. Thank you that that can be lifted on this day because you build your church. Jesus Christ builds his church. And we're called to serve and honor you. But Father God, that is a, to do that alone, that is a tough task. To do that without you, that is a task that cannot be accomplished. God, speak to our spirit. Speak to our heart. And show us that we need to rely on you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. God, I pray for our our day-to-day, the rest of our day and into our week. God, give us opportunities to speak about you because you are wonderful, because you are glorious, and you are worth it all. How amazing you are. Christ be glorified. In Jesus' name. Thanks so much for listening to the Sunday podcast from our team at GMC Dunfermline in Scotland. If you'd like more details about who we are, what we believe and how we serve, then visit the website at gillespiechurch.org or find us on Facebook. Or maybe you can check back some of the videos on our YouTube channel. Just search for Gillespie Memorial Church. All inquiries can be made through the contact us page of our website or by calling the office. Again, details are in the show notes. If you'd like to support our work with a financial offering, then that can be made by clicking the support us with stewardship icon on the homepage of the website. This has been a production of GMC, including the pastors and the tech team. All copyright remains with the producers. Today's episode was edited by Barbara Ann Howie, and the soundtrack is Up to the Mood by Low Tree. Thanks for listening, and God bless. <laughs>